0: Found people, find people. What's up, 1130? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today as we continue this series called In This House. And uh, we're talking about our vision and our values and and really what we like to do uh, this time virtually every single year is we like to come together and, and reorient and reevaluate and refocus on some things. In fact, I, I think it's not just good for us as a corporate body, but it's good for us as individuals to take some time and refocus on some things, refocus on why you're doing what you're doing. So many times we're just doing things without really knowing why we're doing those things, and when we don't know our why or we lose our why, we lose our way. And so it's really, really important to me and, and, and I think to God that we come back and we go, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we, why are we living out this way? Why are we embracing these things? Why are we valuing these things? And so over the last couple of weeks, we started this series and we we're talking about the values of this house and the, the vision of this house. And, and if you're a guest here with us, this is an incredible weekend for you to be with us because you're going to hear who we are really in a nutshell, at least from a value perspective And so thank you for being a part of our services this weekend. Let me tell you who we are not. We are not uh, the best church out there uh, by any stretch of the means, nor are we a perfect church at all. In fact, I'll talk to people after service, and they'll be walking by. They'll be like, oh, Pastor DJ, I'm so happy. I finally found the perfect church, and I'm like, well, why would you have to ruin it by showing up then? You know what I'm saying? It's like because there's no such thing as a perfect—the only perfect church— there is, is a church that has no people in it. Because the moment you arrive, you jack everything up. Let's be honest, because we bring some baggage to church. We bring some history to church. We bring some attitude to church. We bring a lot of things to church. There's good things, but there's also some bad things, right? So, so the moment you walked in, the moment I walked in, you messed it up. So it's no longer a perfect church. It's jacked up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you messed up. Turn to the other neighbor that messed up really bad and said, you messed up more. <laughs> Make you feel better about yourself right there. So, <laughs> But we're not the perfect church. In fact, uh, uh, we, we, there's no such thing. And listen, we don't view other churches as competition. We're all on the same team trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. We just, have, we just all do things a little bit differently because we're, we're trying to reach different people and so um, some of you you're going to walk in here maybe you're a guest and you're going to love it some of you're going to walk in here and be like i hate it that's okay we're not offended by that uh because there's different strokes for different folks we hope that you find a community that you can dive into and be a part of but in this house we're a little unique we have a unique vision and our vision from from day one has been this we want to make it hard for people to go to hell By making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. We've never been about building a uh, a building or building a church. We've always been about building people. How do we help you as an individual discover how God created you and what he wants to do with your life? How do we equip you with the character and the tools and the resources necessary to live out God's dream for your life? That is what we hope to do as a church. We want you to experience God, know God, and follow God all the days of your life. And so there are some values that go along with this that we don't think are just good values for our church. But we actually think that if you are following Jesus, these are values that you should be embracing in your life continuously. And last week we talked about this idea that found people people that have come into a relationship with God should be finding other people, helping them experience this life-changing relationship that's changed our life, helping other people have that same relationship. So we believe that found people find people. And this week, we're going to be talking about value that is near and dear to my heart. It's probably the value that defines our church more than any other value, if there was an, like an overarching value that is just like, this is the cream of the crop, it's risen to the top, it's this. So, in this house, if you're taking notes, in this house, we do life together. In this house, we are about relationship. Like, I know that the, the greatest impact is going to take place in your life is going to happen through the context of relationships, like, the greatest transformation that is going to take place in your life is probably not going to happen on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night in church. It's just not. Because have you ever noticed that this is a little bit of a one-sided conversation? I'll talk, you listen. Does anybody notice that? Are you guys awake? I'm just checking. Just, I mean, it is 1130. Y'all had time to sleep in, have like seven cups of coffee. Y'all should be like fired up and like bouncing out of your seats right now or something. Or maybe you're just hungover from last night. Well, we'll talk about that a different week. But that's like anyways. But but like this is good. Like you might get inspired a little bit here. But transformation most likely isn't gonna take place here. It's gonna take place when you're face to face with some people in your life that can know you and that are gonna you're gonna know them. And you're going to encourage one another, and you're going to build one another up, and you're going to hold each other accountable, and you're going to love each other. And it's, it's going to be very, very instrumental in your life. And so we, we value relationships at a super high priority. And I actually think God values relationships at a super high priority. In fact, as I was studying for this, I read this quote by the late rapper Nipsey Hussle. And this is what he says. Some of you all think that's funny. I don't know why, but he has he has he's got like some profound he's got a profound thought that's going to blow your mind. He says, "If it, you look at the people in your circle and don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage." Let me read that again. If you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, in other words, what he's saying is he's saying if you're looking at the relationships that are around you and they are not elevating your life, if they are not seeing your life being changed and transformed towards a greater good in your life, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. See, for a lot of us, when we start talking about relationships, we're like, oh, I got some friends. No, no, no. No, you got people that have created some patterns in your life that have actually imprisoned you. And you have acquaintances, but you don't really have relationships that are taking you to other levels. They're actually keeping you held down in the same spot you've been for the last year, five years, ten years, for some of you, Decades. And they're not helping you. They're actually hindering you in life. And so you don't even have a a, a cage any longer. What you've ended up with is a prison called your life. That's formed by the relationships that are around you because they've created some mentalities and some some thought processes to your life. And today I want to address those things. And we're going to be looking at those things out of a context of the scripture out of Acts chapter 16. If you want to follow along in your Bible or look at the screen, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 16. Let me kind of set it up, what's happening here. The Apostle Paul and Silas, they're in Macedonia. The Lord has led them to this place. They're walking the streets. They're they're telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they're walking the streets, uh, there is a, a, a what, 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 what do we call that? A psychic. You guys all know what a psychic is? They like kind of tell you your future. There's a psychic girl that's walking behind them who people are paying money so she can tell them their future. And this girl is following Paul and Silas down the streets, and this is what she's yelling out. Hey, everybody, these are servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you about how you can be saved. Now, Paul and Silas are trying to do the work of the Lord, and this girl is following them saying, hey, listen, they got the message. You better listen. I'd be like, let's hire her, right? Like, she needs to come on staff. Like she's, she's helping me. She's not hindering me. And the Bible actually says that the Apostle Paul, after a couple of days of this chick just following them everywhere they go, he gets annoyed. And the Bible actually says he gets exasperated. Have you ever been exasperated by somebody? Like, where you're just, like, so annoyed up to the... Like, anybody ever gotten annoyed by somebody? Raise your hands. Raise your hands if you ever been annoyed. Okay, for those of you that did not raise your hand... Like, you've never been annoyed, so you have the gift of lying, right? <laughs> Anybody ever been annoyed by somebody? Like, the guy up, t- up front going, would you raise your hand if, if you've ever been annoyed? Like, that's annoying, isn't it? If you've never had that in your life, I will be that for you, Okay. <laughs> So Paul gets annoyed by this girl, and he turns around and tells the demon to get out of her. The demon leaves her Her handlers, which are essentially her pimps that have been selling out her services to other people, get upset, and they form a mob, and that's what we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. It says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. The Bible right here says that they were thrown into prison. And while they were thrown into prison, I don't think most of us have been thrown into prison by our relationships. But what our relationships have done is they have created a prison for us. Because we've been in some unhealthy relationships, we've been hurt by relationships, we, we, we've got around some people and they've betrayed us in relationships, some people have stabbed us in the back in relationships, some people have disappointed us in relationships, and all of those things that have happened have created feelings within us which have all of a sudden, what we've done is we have built some walls to protect ourselves from other people ever doing those things again. And what we thought was going to be protection for us actually became a prison for us. And I think that there are, are a couple of walls that we build a lot of times when it comes to relationships. Some walls that kind of all of a sudden become manifest in our life whether we recognize it or not over time if we are not aware of what's going on in our relational world. And the first one is this, is it's the wall of isolation. Where what happens in life is, is somebody does something or says something or something happens where you get hurt. And in order to protect yourself from ever getting hurt again, what you do is you run. Anytime somebody starts to get too close, you turn and you book and you run the other direction. Because you don't ever want to have the feelings that you've had in the past. And therefore, what you do is you end up distancing yourself from other people. And here's what happens when we distance ourselves from other people. Distance always creates distortion in our life, where we don't see clearly like we would up close. So what happens, let me put it in real life, uh, you see somebody from a distance you're like, man, that person looks good, but when you get up close, you're like, man, they ugly. We've all done that, right? It's like, they look good from a distance, but up close, you see the imperfections. Because distance always distorts. It's why you can impress people from a distance, but you only influence them up close. Because it's easy to look good when, when nobody can see the flaws, when nobody can see the warts, when nobody can see any of that stuff. It's really easy to impress people at that point, but it's only up close that you can have true impact. But because you've built this wall, you're never letting anybody in. And because you're always running, what it leads to, it leads to loneliness. And while there's people all around you, and it looks like, man, there's people all over your life, you are a lonely, lonely person inside. In fact, Mother Teresa said this. She said, loneliness and the feelings of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. Some of us have built walls of isolation. Others of us, we haven't built walls of isolation. We've built walls of insulation walls of insulation, where we think that my world is better than your world. Like, where I know and you don't. And we see this play out all the time in our society through this idea of offense. Have you noticed today that everybody is offended by everything? I mean, It's like, if I have a different point of view than you, then I'm offensive to you. What happened to be able to just disagree with somebody and still be friends? But today, if I don't agree with you, then I must hate you. I mean, isn't that what our world tells us every single day? Isn't that what is all over the news media? Isn't that what's taking place in every arena? Oh, I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. Here's the problem with offense. Offense builds a wall around you. You're thinking it's protecting you. But the reality is is when you do that all that it's doing is it's keeping in bitterness. It's keeping in rage. It's keeping in anger, it's keeping in hurt, it's keeping in resentment, and what is not allowing to come in is the grace of God that you need right now to forgive you and change your life. Yeah. 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 And let me just say, I didn't say this in any other service. Offense is not a feeling. It's an act. You know what else is not a feeling but an act? Forgiveness. Somebody here needs to hear that today. Because, well, I feel the no, 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 no. You're choosing to be. You're going. Hey, I'm going to put this wall up right here because there's 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 a difference here, and and I have never learned how to have a difference with somebody. And still be cordial with them. And I'm going to isolate myself, I'm going to protect myself, but you're not protecting, you're imprisoning. For others of you, it isn't the wall of isolation or insulation, it's the wall of insecurity. Where you look at this big world and you go, I don't fit in anywhere in this world. What's interesting, as I was reading this story... Uh, my dad was the warden of a, the juvenile detention center in Fort Myers growing up, and um, he, they call it the superintendent, same thing. Um, and, and so one day I was asking my dad, I said, man, when, you, when you're bringing in a new prisoner, like what, what is the procedure that you do? And he says, well, what we do is we strip them of everything they have. We search them. We make sure they have no weapons, no narcotics, no, nothing that they can take in. And then what we do is we give them a uniform and a number. And I said, well, Dad, why do, you, why, do you, why do you do that? And he says, man, we want to, w- here's our goal. We want to strip them of their dignity and their identity. And I started thinking about that. Isn't that exactly what the world tries to do to us every single day? Strip you of your dignity and strip you of your identity. It, want, it doesn't want anybody to know who they are and whose they are. And if you don't know who you are and whose you are, then you'll be looking to everybody else to identify you. You'll be looking to everybody else to give you your worth and your value. Am I good enough for you? Am I good enough for you? Am I good enough for you? Am I good? Do I fit here? Do I fit there? And you're like a missing puzzle piece to a picture that nobody else has. Why? Why? Because you weren't created to fit in their world. You were created to fit in God's world that he created for you. And when you start worrying about what everybody else thinks, the first thing you forget is what God thinks about you. And so many of us have built this wall of insecurity and we're, we have a missing identity crisis. And we're just hiding behind the wall, scared to death because we don't know where we're going to be found. It's time for some of us to begin to break out of the walls and tear the walls down because God doesn't want us living imprisoned by mentalities and thoughts and ideas that we've created for ourselves when he actually created us to live free. And I believe that if we're going to live free and we're going to break through the walls of isolation and insulation and insecurity and whatever wall that you have constructed in your life that is now imprisoning you, that you thought that was going to protect you but it is now keeping you held down, there's a couple of things you're going to have to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, you're going to have to find your people. You're going to have to find your people. I love what it says in verse 24 and 25. It says, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in stocks around midnight. It says Paul and Silas. Not Paul by himself. Not Silas by himself. Listen, you can't be caught by yourself. This is where the enemy messed up because it says he put them in the inner dungeon. In other words, he put them in solitary confinement. Last time I checked, solitary confinement is supposed to be by you by yourself, right? The reason the enemy wants you in solitary confinement is because he knows that if he can get you by yourself, you're easier to get discouraged, you're easier to pick off, you're easier to destroy, you're easier to defeat in life. But the enemy done messed up right here because he didn't put him by himself, but he actually tied Paul and Silas together. And my question for you is, is who are you tied to today? Who are you tied to when there is more month than there is money? Who are you tied to when your marriage is a mess? Who are you tied to when you get the diagnosis from the doctor that you never expected? Who are you tied to when your kids are running amuck? Who are you tied to when your life crashes and burns? Who are you tied to in those moments? And I'm so thankful that when my life was sinking ten, mu- 10 weeks ago, that I wasn't not tied to anybody, but I had a group of people that were tied to me that I, st- I started sinking in life. They grabbed a the hold of that rope and they said, Ma, we're going to pull you up. We're going we're gonna to lift you out of this pit. And some of us, we don't have anybody we're tied to. Let me just tell you something, man. When, when we got the news about our, our family situation, man, it has sent me into an emotional downspin. I'm so thankful I was tied to Pastor David Hughes from Church Brother Glades. Man, I'm so thankful that God tied me to my my big brother in ministry, that this dude, every single day, would call me up or text me, how are you doing today? Can I do anything? Do you want to go grab a bite to eat? Do you want to go work out? I'm like, no, but I will eat some pizza, you know. It's like, (laughs) who are you tied to? Because this is what I know. When life falls apart, you want to know how God rescues? He uses people. He uses people. Here's what you need to know. Find your tribe and you're going to find your vibe. Chuck Swindoll, a great pastor and author, he says this. He says, nobody is a whole team. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands, were not... To make this thing called life work, you got to lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful, hotshot, let's quit acting like it. Some of y'all are like, that's the word I needed for today. Life's lonely enough without playing that silly role. The game is over, let's link up. Listen, just because there's people in your life doesn't mean the people are there for your life. Who is committed to you? And who are you committed to? Show me who's committed to you and who you're committed to and I will show you your future. I've never met anybody that has done anything great that's done it by themselves. They're always tied to some people. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but God has people that are just waiting to commit to you. The problem is, is, those people are waiting on the other side of the wall that you've constructed. And they can't step through the wall to you. So what does that mean? You've got to have the courage to step outside of your wall to them and watch God bring people into your life. In fact, I think that's one of the beautiful things about why God created the local church. Because he knew that you were going to need people that were going to be committed to you, and that you were going to need to be committed to. And he established this thing so that we could connect with people that are of the same mindset and same ideals and same values so we could spur one another on towards love and good deeds so we can break through the barriers that have been holding us back and the strongholds that have been shackling us for so long. So that we could have people come alongside of us to help us, uh, help us accomplish our dreams and at the same time turn around and reciprocate that to other people so they can accomplish their dreams that God has given them. And let me just sidebar here real quick. Because here's what I know about some of you, not all of you, some of you, you come to church here on Sunday, you go to church on Calvary, at Calvary on Wednesday night, you hit up CBG on Saturday night, you're in a group at some other church midweek, would you think, man, I'm I'm just trying to get as much of God as I can which I understand that that's a logical thinking, but let me, let me put it in some different perspective for you. Um, Shayla, let's, let's go out on a date Sunday night. Hey, Violet, what are you doing Wednesday night? <laughs> I don't know your name, but are you free on Thursday? Because that seems like a good night for me. How about you, Saturday? If I did that, what would you call me? A player, right? As a guy, you would call me a player. If I was a girl, you would call me a hoe. Real talk here, right? Do you know that the church is the bride of Christ? And we're just jumping from one to another using her. And here's what I know, this year, coming up in 2020, we will, this is my wife right here, just FYI, I'm just not some (laughs) random girl. (laughs) It's like, hey, what's up? No. (laughs) This year we'll be married for 20 years, which is amazing. (laughs) When we were dating... We had, a, we had a good friendship. Like, it, it was good. Things, things you know, we, we had good communication, all those things. But the day that I took out a ring and put it on her finger and said, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and sickness and health till death do us part. And I said, hey, I commit to you. Yeah. When I did that, it changed everything about a relationship. It wasn't just good. It went to a whole nother level. And some of you are like, man, why am I not getting from God what I want? It's because you're using God like he's just something for you to get off on. And he's saying, hey, listen, it's time for some of you to make a commitment to a community. And actually find your people instead of using people. Because when you commit to that people, all of a sudden you're going to find your tribe and you're going to find your vibe. And it's going to transform everything in your life. And all of a a sudden, you're going to experience God in another way like you never have before. And I don't care what tribe that is. You want to go commit to Calvary? Please go commit to Calvary. We need your seat. (laughs) Go to church by the Glade. Listen, I love the. Go to a church. I don't care what church it is. Find your tribe. Find your people and commit there and watch what God does in your life. Get involved. Don't just come on Sunday. Serve with them. Give with them. Reach out to the community. Engage and watch the engagement of how, what happens in your life from your relationship with God. I promise you it will be the greatest decision after your relationship with God and your spouse. It will take you to a new level. And so I want to encourage you. Find your, tri- find your people. Find your people wherever they are. Then number two, when you find your people, you'll find your voice. When you find your people, you'll find your voice. Verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. One thing I've realized in life, you can't control your situation, but you can always control your response. You can't control your circumstances but you can always control how you're responding in those situations. And one of the things I've learned is who you surround yourself with is a lot of times how you're going to respond to people. If I hang out with somebody that's always down and out and negative, you know what I start becoming? I start becoming negative. Like it just naturally happens. You, you hang out with somebody that's positive. Like all of a sudden, have you noticed that your outlook on life is always better? Why? Because all of a sudden their voice starts influencing your voice. I know it, I know it's weird, but uh, like, it, 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 like the things that you see happen at Walmart, you don't see happening at Nordstroms, do you? <laughs> I'm not dogging Walmart or Nordstroms. I'm just saying. Like, there's a website called People of Walmart. There's not a website called People of Nordstroms that I've found yet. You know, maybe some of you, you're like, I'm coming up with that right now. I just, it's my million dollar idea. One of the reasons why, if you call our church, you're most likely going to get a a live person named Melissa Lane. Uh, Melissa Lane happens to be my, my assistant, but Melissa Lane also happens to be the most joy filled, energetic, over the top, enthusiastic. Like, there's never been a bad day on earth, even when it was the worst day ever. Like, there's still sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. Like, no matter what kind of person. And, 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 and I said this last service so I can, I can say it here because she was sitting right in front. You know, it's, it's like it's, we keep Melissa around just because she brings life to everything. Not that we wouldn't keep her around anyways, but that's a positive, you know. It's like, man, I, like, because I want people around me that are the, the God of I can Like, I can do all things through Christ. Like, I do believe, I do serve the God of the promise who was, is, and will always be. And so I need people around me that are helping me discover the voice that God already has within me that has just been lying dormant for so long. And it actually says that Paul and Silas, that what they were happening is they were praying and singing hymns. And the hymns that they were actually singing is what the Bible refers to as the halal. It's actually Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. It's the songs of God's deliverance and saving power. So while they're shackled in prison, they are singing psalms about how God is a deliverer even though they're imprisoned. Like just because you're in prison doesn't mean the prison has to be in you. Yeah. And so what they're they're singing right there, and the other prisoners are listening. And what's interesting is that the guards had stripped them of all of their weapons, right? They've already strip searched them, beaten them. They've made sure that they didn't have any weapons that when they were put in there, that they didn't have anything. But what the enemy failed to realize is that there is a weapon within every single one of us. And it's called our praise. It's called our voice that God has given us. He's given us power and authority with our voice that we can speak life to dead things, that we can change atmospheres with one word. And some of us have got to recognize that there is this powerful thing together that we have that when we gather together, we can tear down chains, that we can break down walls, that we can see healing happen, that we can see transformation take place, all because of the power of the voice that God has given us. And so that's exactly what they did. They started praising God. This is what it says in verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner flew off. There's something about this weapon that is inside of you called your voice. Don't let the enemy strip you of your voice. You might be physically limited, but you are spiritually empowered. Listen, when you can't figure out what is going on here on earth, what you do is you bring heaven down to earth. And how you do that is by elevating your praise to God and worshiping God. I know some of you walked in today and you're like, well, I didn't didn't like these songs. Well, have you noticed these songs aren't about you? Like, the song wasn't, Shayla, Shayla, you make the darkness tremble. Like, it wasn't. It was Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. See, this prison I've created has made it dark, and, and I need some light, so I better bring heaven down here to shine a light. But it's not just our singular voices when we come together. That's so why Matthew tells us, if two of you agree here on earth, concerning anything you ask, it says, my Father in heaven will do it. For where two or three are gathered as my followers, there I am also. So it says, like, one plus one equals three when we gather. Well, that doesn't make any mathematical sense. Why? Because the math of collaboration is always multiplication. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. That's why we come together and we lift our voice. We're changing the atmosphere. We're changing the realities of our world. I know I'm getting spiritual here, but some of y'all need to recognize that your voice has some power to it. And if you'll find your tribe, you'll find your vibe. And if you find your people, what's going to happen is all of a sudden you're going to get around those people that are encouraging you, building you up, speaking God's word to your life. All of a sudden your voice is going to start to resonate with what they're telling you. And then your voice is going to start to speak those same things over your own life instead of those negative things that you've been speaking for so long over your life. And you're going to start to see your life changed. Because this word isn't, this isn't just a, a book of good ideas. This is the word of living God. Amen. The Hebrews 4.12 tells us it's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even dividing the soul and spirit and joint marrow. It judges your thoughts and attitudes. And God is trying to change you from the inside out. The problem is, is we live in a culture where we change from the outside in. Well, if I just change my clothes, if I just change my outlook, if I drive a different car, everything will be good? No, because you're jacked up inside. And God's trying to get inside of you and start coming out of you. That's why we constantly tell you, man, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. Sound like broken records. Hey, get in community. If all you're doing is coming on Sunday morning, you're missing out on church. Church doesn't happen on Sunday morning or Saturday night. It happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in people's homes. That's where church is happening. Because that's where we do life together is happening. That's where transformation is taking place. Well, I want to be transformed. Go be part of community. Find your people. Find your voice. Number three, just because you're free doesn't mean you're finished. Just because you're free doesn't mean you're finished. Because check this out. It says, the earthquake came and the chains fell off and the doors wide wide open. Now, if I'm Paul and Silas and I'm sitting in prison and my chains miraculously fall off while I'm worshiping God and the door swings wide open, I'm going to stand up and walk out of that joint. Anybody else with me? Am I the only one that thinks that way? Okay, there's some of us that are normal people. Um, But Paul and Silas didn't move. What's funny is it says all the prisoners were freed. Then in verse 27, it says the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. See, so many times we look at people and we think people that are prisoners... It's visibly obvious to us who the prisoner is. Because they're in chains. Like, I can see that. But all of a sudden, all the prisoners are free, and they've come to find out that the one who is truly imprisoned is the one who is watching them all. And so you got to realize that just because God has set you free doesn't mean you're finished with that season of your life. Because now that you're free, there is a responsibility that God just didn't give you freedom so you could walk around free. He gave you freedom so you could have some responsibility to help other people become free. You know, what does Uncle Ben say to Spider-Man? With great power comes... Okay, nobody watches Spider-Man here. I just learned last service it was Uncle Ben. I thought it was his dad, so that shows what I know. But here's the thing, with great power, do you know that when Christ comes in your life, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, the greatest power there is, a power that is beyond any power that you've experienced, and now there is a responsibility. There's a price that's been paid, and you weren't just set free so you could be free, you were set free so that you could take the responsibility to help others, because just because you're free doesn't mean you're finished. Because here's the amazing thing about God, Jesus, freedom actually happens through Jesus, which is uh, amazing, it's it's a profound thing, but for some reason, while healing or freedom happens through Jesus. Healing actually takes place through people. See, it's why some of you, you've been forgiven from God, and the weight of your sin has been taken away, but the the injuries that you occurred along the way are still there. You still have a limp to your life, and you're going, God, why haven't you taken this away? He's like, because I don't take that away. I actually use people to help take that away. And you've been walking around trying to do this on your own, and I never called you to do life by yourself. I actually called you to do it together. Even my son Jesus, when he came to this earth, didn't do it by himself. He actually called a tribe with him. Well, TJ, I don't believe that. Well, have you read your Bible, James chapter 5, verse 16? Confess your sins to one another. And you'll be healed. See, we confess our sins to God to get forgiveness. We confess our sins to one another to find healing. But most of the time, that's only going to take place is if I'm actually in a relationship with somebody and go, "Hey, Shayla, I'm struggling today. Shayla, I'm not doing so well." Like somebody's actually got to be close enough to you to do that. And some of you are like, TJ, when you talk about relationships, I got my my community. I understand you got your community. But there's community that needs you. And some of you need to hear this today because you're like, I'm good. We know. But they're not. And when you weren't good a long time ago, somebody reached back and said, hey, I'm going to bring you along and bring you up. Isn't it time that we turned around and did the same thing? Instead of just walking out on our own freedom and going, ah, there is a jailer in your life that needs you right now in life. Why? Because we do life together. Like the military, we leave no man behind. So we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. So church, I want to encourage us to find our people. And as we find our people, we're going to find our voice and realize that just because we're free now doesn't mean we're finished. There's still a responsibility that is there for us moving forward to help the next person and the next person, and the next person. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you for each and every person that is here today. And here's what I know is I know that there's a lot of people that walked in here today that have experienced some relational pain and hurt. been frustrated and they've they created walls that they thought were protecting them but have actually been hindering them for a long time whether it's a wall of isolation insulation, insecurity some other wall that they've built and today God you want to tear some walls down but there is a real fear that is there of stepping out into the unknown There's the what if I get hurt, what if I get betrayed, what if. But on the flip side, what if you don't? What if right on the other side of your fear was the life you've always wanted? God, I pray that the Holy Spirit today would begin to convict, begin to move, begin to crush some ideas and some character flaws and some resentment and some anger and some bitterness right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that people would take a bold step towards community, to finding their tribe. And as they do, God, that, that they would start to see their voice emerge, the voice that you've birthed within them from before they were ever born. You knew them in their mother's womb, and you've had a purpose and plan, that they would start to discover that and realize that there is a greater destiny on their life than what they're currently settling for. But that destiny involves people in helping them as well. And maybe you're here as we're talking today and you're going, man, I, I feel like I've, I, I've got somewhat of a tribe. But you keep talking about this relationship with God thing and in this connection to God. And, and I've got a tribe, but man, I don't have that. And today what you need more than anything is, is you need not just a tribe, but you need a Savior. You need somebody that loved you so much that 2,000 years ago he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to live the life that we're living today but to do it without sin and then at the end of his life he said hey listen I'll take the sin and shame of every single person on the cross and die for them to die the death that they deserve so that they can live the life that only I can give and maybe you're here today and you need to begin that relationship before you try to jump into all these other relationships because until you can get forgiveness from that you're probably not going to get healing from others. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, man, Pastor TJ, I, 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 I need that. I need a relationship with God. I need to begin that, or I need to come back to that with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, we'd love to pray with you. One, there's no shame in this game. Two, come on, be bold in this moment. Three, go ahead and slip them up. We'd love to pray for you. Yes, yes, yes. Hands, 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 hands. Pastor Josh, would you lead these people in a prayer? Yes. Well,